This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. Long before Deborah Tannen became a best-selling author and internationally renowned linguist at Georgetown University, she was a young girl who adored her father, profoundly influenced by his gift for writing and storytelling. In her riveting new memoir, Finding My Father, her most personal revealing work yet, Tannen embarks on the poignant yet perilous quest to piece together the puzzle of her father's life. Reading journals he kept as a young man, she uncovers secrets not not even she could have expected. Secrets had forced Tannen to rethink her assumptions about her father's life, her parents' marriage, and the story she for decades told herself about her parents' love story, beginning with his astonishingly vivid memories of the Hasidic community in Warsaw, where he was born in 1908. Tannen traces her father's journey, arriving in New York City in 1920 at 12, quitting high school at 14 to support his mother and sister by working at a factory through a vast array of jobs, including prison guard and gun-toting alcohol tax inspector, to eventually establishing a thriving law practice and running for Congress. Tannen follows her father through the trials of immigration, the Depression, the American communist and labor movements, and the thicket of relations among men, women, and sex so different in his time than in her own. Deborah Tannen is the acclaimed author of You Just Don't Understand, which was on the New York Times bestseller list for nearly four years. The New York Times bestsellers, You're Wearing That, about mothers and daughters, and you were always mom's favorite about sisters and many other books. A professor of linguistics at Georgetown University. She's written for and been featured in the New York Times, the Washington Post, USA Today, Newsweek, Time, and Harvard Business Review. Makes her home with her husband in Washington, D.C. Happy to have Deborah Tannen join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Deborah, welcome to this program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Deborah, you've written a dozen books, but Finding My Father took you 35 years to write. A, a debut of sorts. It's your most personal, most intimate, perhaps even your most vulnerable work yet. First of all, why did it take so long to write, and why was it so important for you to write this book? Yeah, what a good question that is. Um, first of all, it was so different from any other book I had written. Uh, also, I think I had very complicated feelings about uh, about writing it in the first place. Um, my father at first had the idea that I would write a book about his uh, childhood in Warsaw, which he spoke about uh, at great length. And, and I, too, thought about it that way. I was just going to uh, bring back to life that Jewish community that he was raised in in Warsaw. But as I expanded it and was thinking of the book as being about his whole life and also the effect that he had on me, um, I think it may have become a bit more daunting and challenging. Um, and it was often easier to just put it aside and write another book about how people talk to each other, which I knew knew exactly how to write. Um, first, I was going to write it while my father was alive. Uh, he, he said at one point to me, um, if you write it while I'm alive, you're going to have to worry about my feelings. And I, it's true, even after he was gone, I worried about his feelings, but more from the perspective of wanting to understand uh, what they were. Maybe while he was alive, I felt that if I wrote it, it would almost be like writing his obituary. Um, and after he was gone, then I missed him so much that it made it harder to go back and read all the materials and listen to all the tapes of my conversations with him. So I guess finally the time just was upon me. 
Deborah Tannen is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. Her book is Finding My Father, His Century-Long Journey from World War I Warsaw, and My Quest to Follow. Deborah, your father grad- never graduated from high school, yet he became a successful lawyer, as I mentioned in the introduction, establishing the largest workers' compensation practice in New York City. How did he achieve this? Yes, it really is an immigrant story, and it, it dramatizes how different um, opportunities are for immigrants today, although he certainly was unusual in how he managed to do it. Um, he quit high school at 14. He took high school courses. Uh, for, he, he studied them on his own at night and then one by one took equivalency tests. Uh, with that, he was able to get a law school qualifying exam. You did not need to go to college in order to go to law school at the time. He went to law school at night. It took him three years. Uh, it was grueling. He worked 10-hour days in the factory, rushed off to law school without having dinner, got home, had dinner at 1030, spent several hours studying the law books, maybe slept just a few hours and did the whole thing again the next day. But he was able to do it. Um, however, this was one of the big um, misfortunes. He he graduated from law school, passed the bar, but it was the Depression and really impossible to support himself as a lawyer. And being Jewish also was part of it because law firms were not eager to hire Jews. Most people were not eager to hire Jews at the time. Uh, So he would have most realistically started his own practice, but he couldn't do that because he was responsible for supporting his mother and sister, had no father. Um, And so that's why it took him 30 years, but he did finally eventually... um, he, what he got, he got a political appointment. Uh, he became very active in the Liberal Party in New York, and uh, the, this was not supposed to take as long as it did. Um, he was promised after a year, and then after another year, and wait for the next election, and then wait for the election after that. Uh, so at that point, he was working as a cutter in the garment district, and it was a stopgap job. He wasn't supposed to keep doing that for 13 years, but it did end up being 13 years. He then um, was appointed assistant counsel to the Workmen's Compensation Board. This was a great, great event. Uh, I was in junior high when this happened. He was finally able to leave the factory, but then six months later, a Republican was elected, and he lost the job. But at that point, he he had many contacts with the unions, and my mother uh, actually got a job for the first time, and somehow they pieced it together while he built up his law practice, and it happened quite quickly. Deborah Tannen is my guest here on Speaking of Writers, Finding My Father, His Century-Long Journey from World War I Warsaw and My Quest to Follow is the book. Did seeing your father's life from this perspective change your view of your own early life, Deborah? The contrast between his approach and mine really became dramatic to me in a way I had not really thought about. Uh, Throughout my life, when I was at points of decision, I asked myself what I wanted to do. My father only ever asked what he had to do. The question of what he wanted to do never entered into it. And this became really dramatic. There's a, uh, and maybe in a way this is the most dramatic part of the story. Um, there was a woman that he might have married instead of my mother. And both he and my mother re- made reference to her. They referred to her as his, his, my mother's rival. 
Uh, and he said to me at one point, um, your mother wasn't my girlfriend. Helen was my girlfriend. It's the name I use for, for the um, this woman. And he had saved her letters. Uh, I, I figured out he had moved them, hidden them, keep, kept them hidden over 15 moves. Uh, and more than half a century. He and my mother were married 71 years. Um, so a big dramatic part of the story was kind of figure out what it was about that relationship uh, that, and my, his relationship with my mother that he married my mother and not her. I kept trying to ask him who he would have really preferred to marry, and he never would answer. He always said it doesn't matter who you marry. What matters is whether you are married, in which case you are obligated to support a family. You have to do whatever you can do, whatever you must do to make a living. If you're not married, you're free. Now, he was never free in that way because from the age of 14, he was responsible uh, for his mother and sister, who felt he was. Um, but that really, in the beginning, I simply didn't believe him. I just thought he was covering for the fact that he probably would have preferred to marry Helen and didn't want to tell me. But I, I really don't know if that was true, and I suspect perhaps it was not true, uh, that really the question was in his mind was, how could he avoid marrying anybody so that when he finally got his mother married, he would be free, and his mother never married, and I don't think ever ever would have. You know, was that the most surprising thing you learned while reading through the journals was the other woman? I, I knew about her. Um, one of the surprising things was, was reading the correspondence. I found not only – I, I, he was with me when we found them in the storage room, and he, he gave them to me. It wasn't like I found it after he was gone. Um, that he had saved not only her letters, but copies of many of his letters to her. So the view of their – what their relationship was like, which was much more romantic than his relationship with my mother, um, and and what led up to his making that decision. It, it comes down to the uh, challenge of what women were confronting at that time with regard to virginity. Uh, it turned out that he would not allow himself to... Uh, have sex with with um, Helen because he thought she was a virgin. Apparently, my mother convinced him to have sex with her because she wasn't a virgin. Uh, then once he, she she had apparently said, "You won't be obligated. You know, I'm not I'm not a virgin." He would never have sex with a virgin because then he would have to marry her. Otherwise, he would have done a terrible wrong. And then he learned after he married my mother, he got a card from Helen saying that she had not been a virgin the entire time they were together. So it's this very complicated way that women manage this issue of virginity. And apparently Helen had made the decision to hide it in order to increase her marriageability. And uh, my mother had found a way to use it to increase her marriageability. Um, I should say, when I first learned all this, my impulse was to blame my mother mm. and and reinforce this fantasy that Helen would have been a better choice. Of course, then I wouldn't be here, so I can't say I actually hope he had made that choice. Um, but I really changed my mind about that, and I, and I think my mother saved him. And it, 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 he had to feel that he was more obligated to a woman he could marry rather than to his mother and sister. And I, my mother was able to create that because, again, getting back to what I said before, I don't think he ever would have done what was simply better for himself.
Deborah, what would you like readers to take away from this book? For me, the heart of the book is my sense of longing that I had for my father as a child, which I think many people do. And in some cases, it might be a different parent, but the parent who isn't there. And and in my case, that was the one that I really felt connected to. And I think that's not that unusual. Uh, and the sense of closure and satisfaction that I got from having all that time with him and coming to understand his life uh, in, I think, a truer way, including a less romantic, but I think truer understanding of his relationship with my mother. Uh, and, and people tell me that that, that that has been satisfying, especially in this time when there is so much tension that we're all dealing with in the pandemic. And, and that I'll leave it with that, too, um, that my father faced the kinds of challenges as an immigrant and uh, in the Depression and yet was able to uh, overcome that. And I think that's encouraging for people today as well. And Deborah, what is next for you and your writing? Oh, my goodness. I'm sure it's going to be a book about how people talk to each other again, <laughs> like all my other books. Um, and I have, I have a couple of ideas and haven't yet settled on which specific one it will be. Deborah Tannen, the book is Finding My Father, His Century-Long Journey from World War I Warsaw and My Quest to Follow. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you.